Welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast, where our two co-hosts will discuss, argue, and undercut each other's opinions to figure out the Mount Rushmore of everything. I'm Jeff Hopkins, your judge and umpire for this very special Mount Rushmore topic, which is fictional sports teams. With me are Richard. Hey, Jeff. And Michael. Howdy, boys. Today's topic is one that I actually chose, and I'll tell you, I don't know much about sports, so almost every real team could be fictional as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) But I have always really enjoyed films about sports of any kind or films about teams. Uh, It's always just a story about an ensemble, and this doesn't have to be film. We could talk about any kind of fiction, but it's always just an ensemble of people kind of coming together to try to put away their differences, become triumphant. And I always like those kind of stories. So, um, Richard, why don't you jump out first? Sure. And and obviously being the resident sports nerd, being the... uh a former, a former sports Jeopardy champion. Well, you um, better, you've heard that before. God. You better you know that before. You better yeah. knock but, uh, this one out of the park. You better. Oh, was that was that a, was that a sports metaphor you just used? You there, better uh, really not hit a home run. Really, one, one really slam in. dunk that football. You, you better sports touchdown. Yeah, this <laughs> score all puck. the point goals. Right. Um, actually, so I tried to mix this up with trying to do different types of sports for each one. And I wind up kind of cheating a little bit anyway, because some sports just don't have great, a lot of great movies. I couldn't think of a great team for basketball, for example. Hmm, I'm surprised. Yeah. So um, the first one is um, softball. And I'm going with the Springfield nuclear power plant softball team (laughs) from the classic Simpsons episode, Homer at the bat. Which, uh, were they called the Isotopes, or is that just no? That that's separate. The Isotopes were the are the minor league team. It's hard. It's hard to tell because uh, like the Sim- the Simpsons like will just as the joke necessitate necessitates and necessitates and necessitates. Necessitate is the spearmint. By the way, she's working. She's actually just there while she's working her way through uh, medical school. Yeah. 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 Well, hopefully to join a softball team. The Simpsons make stuff up. Oh, yeah. Like they'll just have the name of whatever sports team in their town as no, no, whatever they need. You're you're thinking the isotopes with their their mascot dancing Homer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So but this is. I have faith in you guys as my audience, as our audience. I don't need to really explain the premise of this. But if if I do, the owner of the nuclear power plant, Mr. Burns, decides he wants to create a company softball team. And he tells his assistant, Mr. Smithers, to go get the best baseball players in the world, such as Ty Cobb, Napoli Joy, and a bunch of guys from like the mm-hmm. early 1900s. After being informed they've all been dead for 50 years. He then sends Smithers out to go get the best players today. So they get all the best players from the 90s. Mike Trout. Oh, wait, no, not, no, not today. Not today. Sorry. Not today. Today. Back then. Today. Jumped all over that. 1990s today. Uh, like Roger Clemens, Don Mattingly, Jose Canseco, Mike Sosha, Steve Sachs, and to build a super team. So it's basically all of them. But then also Homer is still on the team because he has a knack for getting hit in the head with the, with the softball. And it's basically it's, just, it's it's kind of this love letter to baseball. They were able to get all the big stars of the day in there and then find a way to make sure that they wouldn't be able to show up for the championship yeah. game in all these absurd sort of ways. Like it's a gigantism or something. Well, yeah. Ken Griffey winds up endorsing a cola, like a cola that gives him gigantism of the head. Um, and, and interestingly enough. The big punchline he has when he drinks it is, there's a party in my mouth and everybody's invited. <laughs> and apparently when he was recording that line, he didn't understand the joke and got really frustrated when he was trying to record it because they kept trying to explain the joke to him and he couldn't grasp it correctly. An, an athlete not understanding something. I'm so shocked. And so, yeah. And, and Canseco's is that he winds up having to save 
an old lady from a burning house and then his cat, then her cat and then her dog and the and washing then machine fish, and the washing machine. And apparently they had him do something that was originally, it was like more like he was, I don't know, sleeping with a woman, like a, like a woman or something sleeping around. I, I don't know what it was, but he didn't like it. He thought it made him seem like too shallow. So he wanted to be, do something heroic so that he was the only one who complained about how he was written. So they kind of just made him be so overtly heroic that it was ridiculous. Wade Boggs winds up getting punched out by Barney Gimble because they get in into, into an argument over who the greatest uh, prime minister in British Richard, history was. Richard's just going to recap the entire episode <laughs> as a, as he's reading it off of SNPP.com. And you know what? And it would probably be better than most of the episodes of our uh, <laughs> What did you podcast. like about it? Um, it? Just growing up, and then, yeah, so I was probably about 13, 14 at the time. You know, obviously, it's such a cultural touch point, you know, certainly humor wise. And I loved baseball. And so just to see this episode where they're able to get all these huge stars and just have them be totally ridiculous. Was this prior to the baseball strike? Yeah, it was prior to the strike. It was also prior to Don Mattingly getting suspended from the Yankees for having his hair too long. And they have for that. Yeah. And they happen to write part of the ep- Burns keeps getting upset at Mattingly for having his sideburns too long. And he keeps shaving him higher and higher until he basically has a mohawk and he still gets yelled at. This gets recorded in the off season. The rest of the, the season starts and George Steinbrenner gets mad at Don Mattingly for having his hair too long and winds up suspending him. Totally op- to have one happen before the other. Completely, totally random thing. The uh, the Simpsons made up kind of like the the triumvirate of like nerdy things. or yeah. one, one of the three cornerstones of like me growing up in the 90s until college and beyond it was like the simpsons and star wars and comic yeah. books and this so that is was the holy trinity and the holy also, trinity of nerd nerd and, and, and this is good simpsons before like the sure i think this is was this a conan o'brien episode uh it was right around that, it was time. that same area yeah and and now not that i've watched a simpsons episode i'm sorry do you know, like do you know what's years. weird about and one of the reasons star to get so bad is because they would get all these celebrity voices and kind of shoehorn them into the episode. I know. Almost like a bad, like sort of variety show, sort of like, hey, who's that next? Who's that walking in the door? Oh, it's Sherman Hemsley, you know? Yeah. But this I was like a total if- organic sort of like we had all these baseball stars and we found kind of perfect ways to kind of integrate them into this one episode. Yeah, I don't want to rag on The Simpsons too much, but I think it, it, definitely, it definitely got to a point where even the voice actors that were doing The Simpsons characters were doing impressions of the characters. They weren't just the characters anymore. When I think the writing kind of, uh, you know, leaned that way too, where it was at least the last, like, I don't know, ten, it's weird to think that like, the last 10 years of The Simpsons have been yeah. crummy, but it's like Dan Castanella was doing an impression of Homer Simpson or the writers were writing what they thought home. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, uh, but, but Richard breathe life. And yeah, yeah, but I think, I think Richard, I, I love this pick. I love The Simpsons. And I think that um maybe I, one of their, Best episodes. This this one it was just. Oh, I was just looking this up while you're talking. Um, Canseco, he was originally written to have slept with Edna Krabappel. Mm. Apparently, his wife got upset about that. Wow. I'm sure that marriage went great. I'm sure they're still married, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, Michael, what's your lead off? So, so I have uh, my four categories. I'll just put them out at the beginning. Is I broke them down to the four major American sports. If we're gonna, if we're gonna, so competitive eating. That's right. Highlight uh, uh, baseball. Yeah. Basketball, football, and not hockey, but motorsports. It was sportball. Sportball. So uh, the first one on my list is from baseball, and it's the Mudville Nine from Casey uh, at the Bat. Okay, kick out old school. I went. I went all the way back. <laughs> Casey at the Bat was a, 
uh, a poem that kind of really captured the original or, or like the early days of of baseball. And it's funny how baseball right. hasn't really it hasn't changed that much in spite of of all the technological additions and commercials mm-hmm. and, you know, it's how it's played. It's been played the same way for 150 years. And baseball always seems to be a, a good parable about um, how to deal with losing. Right. And I mean, you know, you strike out two thirds of the time. You don't get on pace two thirds of the time. And if you win slightly more than half your games, that's a good season. And uh, it it also kind of captures the like the arrogance that you need to play Mm -hmm. to be uh, in any in any sport. And and definitely Casey was the stereotypical eventually, you know, became Babe Ruth. You think he was on, on PEDs, by the way? Uh, he would eat uh, some pizza, 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 eat and these. he would eat donuts. So right. yes, I always, I don't know. I, I assume that Casey was like this big galoot that was more like a Babe Ruth type, or maybe something you'd see in like a Bugs Bunny yeah. cartoon. Yeah, like yeah. the gas house, the gas house gang, or something like that. Um, yeah. But maybe we can insert uh, Jeff doing a, a nice reading of Casey at the bath here with his baritone there voice. There n- is no joy in mud. <laughs> uh, but it, it, I, I, I think this. It's not just about him, though. I think the entire poem uh, captures the audience's anticipation and right. their involvement in uh, in the game and how their excitement gets amped up because it first starts out that they there's no way they can get to the mighty Casey. Right. It, they have five batters in front of them and two of them strike out or get out immediately. I think they're put out at first and then the next two get on with like a single and a double. And of course here comes the hero up to bat. And then he just, mm-hmm. his arrogance, he was like, whatever the strike goes by. And the next one is like, well, what are you going to do about that? And then, the, you know, the third one, it, they don't even talk about it. I mean, they don't even, it just, he just struck out. Yeah. They, it, you know, the last stanza is kind of like at the time, do you think that was the, you know, like if we went to see the crying game or something like that, where there's a ending, a spoiler ending at the end that you wouldn't tell anybody about because it would ruin the whole movie. That poem might have been one of the first ones. Like, don't tell them about the end of the poem. Yeah. The ain't it cool news yeah. review of Casey hit the yeah. bat. Hey, did you hear uh, this poem? Really ruined it. Are you going to hear this poem? Because I don't want to tell well, you. I think this. it was Spoiler. first published in a newspaper or magazine. I'm sure what they did is they just added 80 carriage stops <laughs> and then spoiler alert spoiler. and then another air, 80 carriage stops. So, no, I, I like this pick a lot. I mean, it's, I mean, to some extent, it's, I think, as much about being a fan as it, as it is about. It's about being a fan of a sports team, I think, mm. in a lot of ways, and how more often than not, you wind up being disappointed by them, especially mm-hmm. baseball, something where, you know, cliche time, being a 300 hitter makes you an all-star, so that means you fail 70% of the time. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love that aspect of it. And I like the fact that it's such an archetype that even today, when a you know, heroic player strikes out with the game on the line, that still is something that gets referred to, like in by fans or by the media, they still compare him with Casey. Yeah. Or you know? his his uh, inability to do what the fans would probably prefer he do. Right. So if somebody like LeBron jumping teams and moving in and players without any kind of loyalty necessarily to the fans. Yeah, kind of being being arrogant. You know, one thing I would ask, uh, if this had been written today, today's modern tactics. Oh, to hit a home run. <laughs> well, that or or they would have just intentionally walked him. 
which would have been a lot less. <laughs> That's a lot less. The mighty Casey has been intentionally walked, and then the next guy hit. I mean, first base. Play. You're right. First base was open because the guy hit a double, and the other one. Uh, yeah, bad managing by whoever's <laughs> managing the other team. I mean, it worked out for him, but I, I think according to modern saber metrics, this, this was poorly done. All right, so uh, our Jeopardy um, participant is going to deliver I'm his sorry. second. Sorry, Mr. Manfredi, our Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Champion. Our sports Jeopardy champion. Yeah, and don't put Je- just Jeopardy alone. Sports Jeopardy. Add, add, I'm not smart enough for regular a qualifier Jeopardy. qualifier of sports please, Jeopardy please, on there. Let's, let's not let the actual smart people get upset okay, about this. The, the, sports smart people. The Jeopardy for, uh, for bar-ridden hooligans. Okay. I'll take that. All right. Um, so I, I did mention I kind of cheated a little bit since the first one was softball. So the second one I went with baseball. Um, it's a little bit of cheating. Uh, slight, I mean, it's a different game. I mean, one's underhanded, one's overhanded, one's a big ball, one's a little ball. Well, what you <laughs> one's played by one's played by all men. In this case, softball, and the other's played by all girls. You in were, this case, the All American Girls Professional Baseball League of the Rockford Peaches yeah. from a league of their own. Ah. Oh, and it, partially it's because. Just trying to get the woman's vote here. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm just blatantly pandering to our 12 female listeners. Part- we doubled? We doubled? Yeah, yeah I've, I've been taking out ads with, uh, with Jane, Jane Magazine. And partially, it's because this is something I think all of us saw at least 20 times during the 90s, early 2000s. If we happen to watch TNT or TBS for a couple of hours, I think it was running on a constant loop for about two years on TNT at some point. I've seen this movie so many times. Oh, yeah. Everyone has seen it so many times. The thing is, it holds up. I mean, it's it's legitimately at every turn where it could become maudlin or trite or kind of garbagey, it manages to pull itself back just enough, which I think is a really tough yeah. feat to accomplish. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because, I mean, that's one of the things about sports movies is you mentioned kind of in the intro a little bit, kind of the overcoming obstacles and the, this, these kind of cliches about it. And yeah. I love the fact that this kind of stays away from those cliches. I mean, it, it kind of toes the line to them. And then, you know, spoiler alert, the Peaches don't win the championship game. They wind up. You know, this that movie also had really charming performances from actresses that had not or even actors yeah. with um, um John squiggy Lovitz. John Lovitz, squiggy <laughs> John Lovitz um but Lori Petty uh Madonna and this was an era a very brief era where I might have had a crush on Rosie O'Donnell Uh-oh. and I don't want to talk what? anymore about Excuse me. but deli- and Janet Jones I think was yeah just kind she of was. no lines in the background probably the best athlete out best, there best 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 acting job she's best ever done I'm job. sure don't talk Janet just look pretty <laughs> but I mean and, and it's got the no crying in baseball scene. Yeah. Which, I mean, sidebar, if we were going to do the Rushmore of fictional sports managers, mm-hmm. you got to put Jimmy Dugan on there, right? All right. A solid two. Uh, Michael, what's your second in basketball? Uh, basketball. Uh, the Hickory High School Huskers from the movie Hoosiers. Uh, and this might have been. By the a- way, you are totally pandering to your wife right here. Uh, Richard, 100%, 100%. Richard, is, Richard is pandering to 12 women. <laughs> My loyalties are just towards one. Uh, Once you were married, you have zero pandering to do, I would think. You've lost. Oh, no, you're saying, Jeff. Is there a better basketball movie? I mean, maybe Air Bud, Golden Retriever. (laughs) Or, or, no, that was was a football movie. The Fish and Saves of Pittsburgh. Thank you, Jeff. Oh, yes. yes. Uh, Space Space Jam is right up there. Um, Also, maybe... when the robots took on the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> Those might be better uh, basketball movies, but um, what's great about Hoosiers? I think that there is a, I mean, it's uh, what based on a true story as well. Yeah. It's one of those 
I don't know. There's like a mythic quality to it. Yeah. There's an, a super earnestness mm-hmm. about there it. There is something toward the American character that we love about that kid who's just great. The kid is just great, but he doesn't seem to... Uh, Jimmy Chitwood. Jimmy, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just, he's an amazing player. Oh, you mean that prima donna? <laughs> yeah, but he's humble about it. He's a yeah. humble prima donna yeah, who yeah. doesn't want to play for half the season and then demands to take the game-winning shot. That Jimmy Chitwood? Oh, okay, sorry. That Jimmy Chitwood? Conflicting. Go at it, guys. That Jimmy Chitwood? Oh. Is that the one we're talking You're about? You're arguing at the Sports Jeopardy champ. Yeah, I know. Please. Maybe I might. You might be out of your depth there a little bit, son. Okay, you know what I think fails in that movie? The soundtrack. Isn't it like a keep a Casio 100 keyboard playing throughout the whole thing? That's the it's one better thing than that a Casio 99. It's, oh, it's, it's like they got the demo for the natural, yeah. but it was like the original demo that Randy Newman yeah. did, and it was just like on the Casio. And he's like, oh, we can use this. Sounds too. good. Sounds good. Uh, what's his name? Is the coach Gene uh, Hackman? Hackman. Gene Hackman. Uh, just a, an incredible performance oh, by sure. him. Um, I'm, I'm giving you I'm giving you a stick about no, this that's because fine. that's the that's the whole point of this podcast. But. It was interesting because you cause you you said like I couldn't think of a basketball movie and like I swear to God like I thought that you would this would have been like right right out of the gate for you. I, I, I no I love uh, no I mean I mean Hoosiers is great I so Michael and I were on a kickball team and we played one time in the quote unquote World Championships and. We were playing in San Diego and we went down to the fields and I think I made a big point of measuring out the field and telling the team, asking the team, well, how far is the bases? Well, 60 feet. Yep. Same thing as where we play, which is the line from right. Hoosiers, you know, that they had measured the 10 foot dead silence. Nobody got it. Pretty well, much sums up pretty much well, actually, my whole time with the ninjas. It's, it's, actually, it's actually 20 paces. Uh, it's about 20 paces, so it doesn't really matter how, you know, it's, as long as it's close. Yeah, but yeah. One of my favorite lines that I use fairly, not regularly, but occasionally that I can guarantee no one else will get. Guaranteed. There's a level of earnestness to it and a level of earned love of basketball and love of this kind of era of Americana that doesn't maybe never existed. I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, talking about like the, the, the mythic nature of it or the no, I think I, Jeff, you said it a little bit better, like the Americana ness. Yeah. Yeah. I think also the they have that sports A story and then the B story that Dennis Hopper is the alcoholic father. Yeah. Dennis Hopper's great. In Incredible this. comeback for him, too, from a career standpoint. Was he kind of out of it until then? Yeah. Yeah. He definitely had dwelled. He's in the character role world, but also having his own troubles with substances and things like that, too. Mm. And to come back in such a legit way. I uh, it's one of my not issues with this movie, but the fact that they and I know this is based partially on the the real life story. And it wasn't Hickory. I can't remember. Middleton or something. Yeah, some blanking on the team name. But I know that they actually played an inner city team from Indianapolis. So it was like all these white guys versus a team of pretty much all African-American kids. But it's just disconcerting to kind of watch it and see it basically being the heroic plucky white kids versus the Mm -hmm. and, and they don't play the other team up like the bad guys, but, you know, kind of beating the Inner city kind of yeah. big city black kids at the end, I, like their story. I want to hear their story. Like that ki- that team's story is probably just as fascinating as the Hickory yeah. High School team. We'll get Zack Snyder to direct it. <laughs> oh God, no! Oh sweet merciful Zeus! Do we want? We don't want to go down there. Okay, right? we've each put in two of our choices. Uh, Richard, you get to put your third choice. All right. So we did baseball. We did softball. So I'm going with America's fifth, sixth. Favorite sports type uh, pastime? That'd be hockey. 
Mm-hmm. And but although this is, I think, without a doubt, my favorite sports movie of all time, the Charlestown Chiefs from Slapshot. Ah. Probably one of the two or three most quotable movies for me personally all time. Probably right up there with Princess Bride and maybe Spinal Tap and maybe, I don't know, Ghostbusters or something like that. When we were at the kickball championships back in 2006 down in San Diego, Richard was also quoting from this movie to blank eyes. Yeah. I, <laughs> Just people staring off in the in the distance being like. the song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do that. But that is also another one. Anytime someone, there's a national anthem playing like on TV or something, everyone's all turns up and go. Trying to hear the fucking song. (laughs) Just blank silence. But this movie was, for people who don't know, it's based on a minor league hockey team set in the 1970s or set in Charlestown, which was this really economically depressed kind of rust built belt city. And it was actually based on the Jonestown Jets, which is a real life hockey team. The screenwriter, Nancy Dowd, her brother, Ned, played for the team. So she kind of. Based the characters, I think Ned was was the Ned was the Ned character who was uh, Michael Onkin's character, mm-hmm. and her, her brother actually wound up playing Ogil, Oglethorpe. In oh, the movie. Really? oh wow, wow! You know that young man, so mm-hmm. many troubles that he's had. Yeah. You know the his deportation from Cape to Canada and that subsequent country's refusal to accept him. <laughs> The Hanson brothers are so great in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where they're just so, so incredibly violent. And also just. And they're just, they're clueless. You know, yeah. Uh, naive. <laughs> I think the part, it's the non hockey part that's my favorite is they're just sitting around uh, playing the racing cars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, who are these? Who are these kids that are on this team that uh, are so destructive yet have it in them just to like sit around and drink yeah. pop? And uh, what yeah. do you what are you guys doing? We're taping our taping, putting tinfoil in our knuckles, <laughs> just like totally like happy and just like not yeah. understanding. And, and and Paul, this is my favorite Paul Newman performance of all time. It just that just as as Reggie Dunlop, who's this kind of career minor league hockey player who's seeing his chance at ever making it to the big big time kind of fading away and is now trying to latch on to this crazy sort of like super brawling like style. My favorite Paul Newman performance is balsamic vinaigrette. <laughs> I don't know. I thought, thought it, I thought it was a little sour, that performance. Ooh, er. Hello, is this thing on guys? Are we still recording? So was that film actually the, it was mirroring a, a trend that had just been initiated of the hockey goon. Well, no, I think the hockey goon had always been there, but I think it was just more the idea of, I mean, I think I think the hockey goonery was probably more pronounced in the 70s or had become more prolific. You had teams like Philadelphia, the Broad Street Bullies and a few other teams. But I, for me, it's not even so much the hockey stuff. It's it's like I said, the Paul Newman performance. He's this very like this constant optimism that he's he's even as, he, as he's spreading complete bullshit and he knows it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. He's just got this sort of like optimistic sort of like. I'm selling snake oil and I'm almost starting to believe it sort of veneer. Paul Newman's even said that this was probably just about his favorite role and the one that might've been closest to him in real life as anything else. And it just, when it came out, I know it was very controversial because it was like this R rated comedy, which is something that we today we think about and we go, well, R rated comedies, of course people want to go see that. It was almost unheard of. Like it came out like 78. I do feel like the bold Durham kind of picked up where that left off. Yeah. Of people who, um, treat their today. All our athletes are these spectacular superstars who are all millionaires. These were working class athletes. Yeah. I mean, it was in that, it was also in that range of movies and shows in the seventies that kind of de-glamorized sports. You had 
you know, the book Ball Four, you had Bang the North, Drum Slowly. Bang the Drum Slowly, North Dallas 40 for football. So you had these kind of. There was a gritty show on ABC about the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders that I remember watching. <laughs> watching a lot. As a teenager. Late at night. Very late at night. Thank you, Betamax. <laughs> but no, I mean, it was this like, whole idea of kind of like tearing down the mythology mm-hmm. of what was happening in yeah. sports. So. All right, what's your third, Michael? Uh, my third is a football choice uh, in a movie that features zero football. Okay. So I didn't. Sophie's Choice? <laughs> That's yeah. right. Uh, it was the Adams College Atoms mm. from Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, this team is so incredible. Featuring, of course, all-star quarterback, maybe even all-pro quarterback one day. Maybe, uh, I'm trying to think of what accolades Stan Gable had other than being like a lascivious. Well, the problem with him is that they would bring him onto a team that was doing well to replace a quarterback. And then immediately that team would start to suffer. <laughs> so that's a Ted McGinley joke. Everybody, uh, by the way. Uh, other other stars of the Adams uh, College Atoms were uh, Ogre, who I have no idea what position he plays. Mm-hmm. And also guy probably that, a kicker. Probably and a kicker. also guy that wears overalls as, oh, the, yeah. as, as like the yeah. third uh, in there. Uh, Was this good? John Goodman as coach and he's maybe two yeah. years younger yeah. than Ogre, I think. Yeah, I, I love that. It just encapsulates everything that people think of in the jock. Yeah. Is all they do is hang out in the gym and, and then work party. out and then party. Yeah. And then just stomp these nerds to death. Yeah. <laughs> They're really horrible people. But probably were a good football team then. I don't know. Apparently they were like first in they were like in the they were ranked top ten, even though there was like maybe twenty players on the team. Right. I mean, I guess they played both ways. I mean, that that just shows how, how incredible were, a team yeah. they were is that they played offense and defense. I I think I chose this because this is one of my favorite movies yeah. of yeah. all time, yeah. and uh, they're just so they're so gruesome and evil for no reason. <laughs> right. Like they have no reason to be yeah. bad to the nerds. Right. But that, that, but then they are. But they just do. Yeah, John Goodman was so good as the uh, as also an an evil coach. Yeah, uh, that uh, they, they couldn't even have the nerds have their day uh, for their uh, the little nonsensical. Uh, the nerd Greek, Olympics yeah, the, the Greek, the yeah. Greek Olympics mm-hmm. is every aspect of their lives had to be trashing these people. Can we discuss something about this movie? And yeah. it's totally off topic. Sure. There's a rape scene in that movie, right? Well, that's rape, right? Yes. When, when, whichever one Rob uh, Carradine is, which one is he? Uh, Help me out here. Uh, Michael. John the second? No, no, no. <laughs> no, it's John the Baptist. John yeah. the Baptist? No, whichever one, whichever one the Carradine, Robert Carradine is. I know, I'm blanking on yeah, the name too. When, when he, we're talking about, we're talking about the jocks and not the nerds. There are so many nerds yeah, that but are when, angry at us right but now. But when, when, when he puts on the, because well, we we're kind of talking about mistaken identity, when he puts on the Darth Vader outfit and proceeds to. To to have sex with the cheerleader girlfriend of of Ted McGinley as the quarterback. Yeah. When she thinks it's actually Ted McGinley. So that's that's consensual. That's rape, right? We're rooting for somebody who just raped somebody. I think somebody, it's reenacting right? scenes that were in all the first three Star Wars movies. <laughs> I must have missed that. Is that in the director's cut of uh, of, of Jedi? That is non consensual sex, and that's rape. Yeah, thank you. So, so why? So so maybe the football team were actually weren't the bad guys. That's a good is point. Is what I'm saying. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a complete 180. Uh, they might have been violent monsters, but you know they were rapists, right? And they and they they and they also didn't put cameras up to see women. You know, yeah, undressing. Wait a that's 
Yeah, I, th- I think I think. I mean, all all who the, are the monsters? Really? All that this football team did was. And who uh, are the monsters? That's the team from Space Jam. That's right. something else. Uh, all this team did was uh, light a horrible effigy uh, <laughs> on their lawn in fire and send a bunch of pigs into a party. Yeah, no big. Also stuff. threw a bunch. Of, well, they did. There are no good people in this movie. <laughs> this this college has got some issues. Is what I'm trying to say. Maybe the, maybe just like the trilams that come in uh, at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, the all black uh, fraternity that comes in. Maybe those are the only good guys in the, the movie. Only ethical, yeah. upstanding. Yeah. So you're saying it's a real parable about race relations in the 1980s on right. college campuses. Rich, what's your fourth? So my fourth. I went with a football team from a movie that's not necessarily a football movie, kind of like Michael. Hmm. Although there, you actually do see the football being played here. Please say, please say Wildcats. Please say Wildcats. <laughs> oh, God, I love Wildcats. Oh, that's such a good movie. I wish I had thought of that. No, um, I wound up going with the 4077ths football team ah. from the movie version of MASH. Ah. Because of any, of any one single kind of scene of sport, of the sport, in any movie or TV show, this I think is my favorite. So, real quick backstory: the four hundred seven seventh winds up scheduling a football game against I can't remember they were they're like the Navy version of of what of of them, and they wind up gambling a bunch of money on it. And in order to try to win, they uh, engineer a ringer to come in. The Nowadays, poorly named Spear Chucker Jones, who was a former uh, running back, I think, for the 49ers, who is now in the army during the Korean War. Um, and then they wind up winning the game through blatant cheating, through um, in- intentionally injuring players, yeah. um, jamming sodium pentothal into people's necks. <laughs> so I'm saying it's a pretty fair, uh, pretty fair uh, recreation of what the NFL is actually like today. No, I just I just it's. Just from top to bottom, just it makes me crack up mm-hmm. every time I see every part of that scene. What's funny is like whether it was leather heads, was that the George oh the George Clooney, Clooney one? Yeah, that was no fun for me. I didn't have fun with that movie. Yeah, it wanted to be that scene from from Mash, but just extended to like an hour and a half. Yeah, and you just you know you can't recreate that. I mean the the scene where the gun goes off for the quarter and Hot mm-hmm. Lips. Oh my god. They shot him. <laughs> it's just it's so incredibly well paced. And I'm a Robert Altman fan. And even as a fan, you have to recognize that about. Yeah, I think the third Bob, of his movies are, are pretty yeah, unwatchable. Yeah. I think that Bob's boy, a good director, he, too. But boy, when he got it right, he yeah. got it right. And it's just an incredibly just well paced. And again, it's not the sort of like recreation of or an homage to the beauty of football. Mm-hmm. It's just. Is that this ridiculous scene of people gambling and using drugs and cheating yeah. to try to win, which to me is a lot more interesting, a lot more funny. I really like it's funny before before we uh, started this, I wrote down a list of like the things that I thought that you were going to pick. Yeah. And uh, I got no, I went oh for four to use a sports. Oh, metaphor. really? I'd like to I'd like to know what I, you were going to. I honestly I honestly thought that you would you would like your picks on this are like. Like ladybugs, Roger. Ladybugs, right? Are so. Uh, actually, I got one of them on the slap shot, but like, uh, I thought you'd chick. I thought you'd choose Hoosiers as well. And really? I thought you'd choose uh, the Knights from The Natural, and I thought that. Well, here's the thing about the Knights. One of their guys died. That's not good. That's 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 a, that, that that's not that that doesn't mean you're doing team. a great job as he's a, a team. bad teammate, and he was on the take from from the judge. But I mean, like. 
But I can't. I don't know any other player on the team. That's it's a no, one man team. That's true. And also, their one man is bleeding profusely from a wound in his but, gut. But uh, so. uh, uh, I admire that uh, you really had a very. Um, I admired is not a term we use in this podcast. Yeah, I'm sorry. I hate you. I hate you. Well, listen, we're 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 honest here. All right. Like there was a, a subculture here of sports that you delved into that I thought was pretty. I thought it was pretty interesting to be on like the, the Mount Rushmore. Well, it's it's funny to me. I wound up. I, I usually cross check these with my wife to see if it, I'm getting way too far afield or things are too obscure. So when I said so, so the Allied team from Victory, you know, with Pele and Sylvester <laughs> Stallone as a goalkeeper. That that got that, nothing, or, or the cutters from breaking away. Yeah. You know the the little five hundred. I, 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 I really happen. should have. I you know if I'm gonna if I was gonna go down the path of like uh, pandering to my lovely and beautiful wife, I should have chosen yeah. the cutters. Breaking away. God, I almost could have gone all Indiana based yeah. sports fictional uh, sports. What teams. a clod. Well, we, he's not done yet. What's your fourth choice? My last one is um, car racing, motor racing, mm-hmm. and so I chose Mifuni Racing, <laughs> aka Racer Motors. From Speed Racer. I would like to just clarify real quick. Is this the TV show or the movie? This is all of it. Uh, you, by the way, I will defend yeah, I was Speed say. Racer, the movie, as it single-handedly has the best ending sequence to a movie that has ever existed uh, in oh terms of... Uh, it does. In terms no. of pace wait, and excitement. Wait, 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 wait. The Wachowskis changed their gender so they could say, we're not the guys who did Speed Racer. Hey, whatever you got to do. Uh, maybe, maybe next to... Um, Whiplash, the end of the end of Speed Racer, the movie is just inc- it just builds and builds. Wait, Whiplash, the uh, roller derby movie? No, Whiplash, the uh, whip it. Oh, <laughs> drumming movie, the drumming movie from oh, a couple okay, years ago. Sorry, my bad. Uh, where that one too has just a, a great pace and it just builds and builds and mm-hmm. you know just it, the movie just ends and it just like in Speed Racer, the, the movie, the same thing. It's just yeah. No, I ch- they, listen. They built a hell of a racing team uh, featuring Speed. And yeah. his uh, older brother, uh, uh, Racer well, X, secretly. Yeah, but but, but eventually you find Racer out. X, who is secretly. Wait, wait. I think they uh, say that. Every I might time. have that wrong. Racer X might not have been on the same. No, he's team, not on the same team. But the team put together. They have a monkey. Chim Chim. They got a monkey. They got, right. a kid, they got a little kid who hides in the trunk. Yeah, his name is Spritel. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Keep, keep going. They, they got, Tri- Trixie, the girlfriend who uh, flies the uh, uh, helicopter. She also has her own. Uh, they got a they got a big Luigi looking guy. There's not a lot. Of, there's <laughs> there's not a lot of. Uh, of like great Japanese cartoons that really translate into something that Americans can get into. Can you but really call that animation, by the way, or is it just look at still this images kind of just moving quickly this along guy the crapping screen. over a culture? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so do you, what else do you want to say about that before we wrap it up? Well, I, I, I just, I remembered watching it growing up and um, I just thought it was just a, a great thing. I don't know. Richard just threw me off right you know, there. I, you know, I love you, Michael. You know, I love most of your picks. God, get a room. Oh, we're is, in a room. This is a garbage pick, Michael, and you know it. I thought you, I, I th- you didn't want to go with the, the Team Wonderbread team or whatever from uh, from Talladega Nights as your motor racing choice. Oh, Dennett Racing. Yeah, Dennett Racing. I Speed thought Ra- about that. Speed Racer made me want to go back in time and unmasturbate to Suzanne Sarandon <laughs> all the times that I'd seen it before. <laughs> <laughs> Can't top that, folks. Yeah, we're we're done. All right, so uh, I'm going to take a break and probably a good hose down a little bit. If you'd like to follow us online or listen to past episodes, please check us out at mountmtrushmorepodcast.com. 
We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash MT Rushmore podcast or Twitter at MT Rushmore pod. Michael and Richard have made some very compelling lists of their choices for the Mount Rushmore fictitious sports teams. But I, as a judge, get an opportunity just to talk about one team that I would put up there. And that team is the Carver High School team from the White Shadow because they put together a disparate group of kids from the inner city. There was a white kid, a Jewish kid and Hispanic kid, Ricky Gogo Gomez, uh, the Jewish kid, Abner Goldstein. And I'm looking at these profiles on the NBA.com White Shadow Characters HTML list. Why they're on here, I have no idea. What, what, are, you, what are you looking it, at? It's on, it's on the NBA site, the White Shadow is Sala- is, list. Is Salami on there? Salami's on here. Mm. Folks, Marlo Salami Petrino. He talks a bigger game than he plays, but this native New Yorker hides a good heart beneath his tough-talking exterior. All of these Was he played by characters. a Van Patten? I think he might have been Timothy Van Patten. Oh, there we yeah, go. Yeah. Richard uh, veiling the amount that he actually does know about this because everything he said has been I correct. had no chance. And when I was telling my wife about this cha- this this uh, choice, she said, yeah, Ken Reeves grabbed my ass in a New York diner once. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Ken the White Shadow Reeves. R.I.P., by the way. R.I.P., yes. Actually uh, uh, groped my wife uh, when she was working as a hostess in a, a, <laughs> That's incredible. In a Times Square uh, New York <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> But for me, you know, Hold I on. think the White Shadow might have been the kind of dad I wish I had, or who would, kind of would grope your wife? Who would grope my future wife? This got real Freudian really quick. Okay, all right. So, um, whilst I was saying my choice, I deliberated who I thought the winner was. No, actually, I think we all knew who the winner was from the very beginning. It was the Sports Jeopardy champion. Richard Manfredi. He did a great job. I, I, yeah. I, I should have thrown in the towel after the first uh, first round. So it, it was like Rocky Four. You were just like, throw in the damn towel. Richard did a great job. But let me recap Michael Winfield's. Uh, John Goodman in Revenge of the Nerds. John Goodman in Speed Racer. Also, some other movies. Uh, the History High Huskers were the team from Hoosiers. And the Mudville Nine was the team from Mighty Casey at the Bat. Or I guess Mudville. The Mudville Nine. Oh, yeah. Informally, the Mudville Nine. Uh, But, of course, Richard came in here with a lot of kind of working class antiheroes, films that kind of helped shape what we didn't know about this game that's glamorized, but we don't see the gritty umbrella. Uh, MASH, the football team there, the team from Slapshot, the Rockford Peaches, the Springfield Nuclear Power softball team. Mm-hmm. And that's what sealed Michael's fate, was actually good choices that Richard made. So Today, I am the luckiest man. Is that Lou Gehrig? In the history of podcasting basketball. Hey, baseball has taught me one thing. You can't win them all. That's all we did. Tip my hat here. Hat tip to the crowd. It's a doffing. Mm-hmm. That's it for this episode of Mount Rushmore Podcast. I've been Jeff. I was Richard. I remain Michael. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>